It's time to dive into the latest news and updates from the Vegas Golden Knights. This is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Here we go, Las Vegas, at 12 noon on this 8th day of January 2024. Happy Monday and welcome to Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Coming to you live from Studio 31 inside City National Arena in beautiful downtown Summerlin, Nevada. It is Dan Duva, Gary Lawless for this first episode of 2024. Gary Lawless, how are you today, sir? Been a busy uh, turnaround for me. We finished the game on Saturday night. I went home and slept till around 3 a.m. and then jumped a real early flight to San Diego to go and watch uh, my daughter play some hockey. And uh, I got there for the first game was at... uh, uh, 8.30, I think. So I, I landed at 7.30 and uh, got straight to the rink. They won 11-2. Oh, wow. And then they won uh, the afternoon game uh, 3-2. And then I flew back and uh, went to bed. And now here I am with you. For a busy Sunday. Hockey, and, hockey, uh, hockey. Hockey, hockey, hockey. <laughs> Just the way we like it. Yeah. And uh, nighttime at noon today. Coming up on today's episode, we've got two guests one of whom is uh, approaching a big milestone. Braden McNabb is getting close to 700 NHL games. We expect that to come up next week. And then later in the show, from 32 Thoughts and Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada, Elliot Friedman, NHL insider. So uh, Elliot will not be in studio. Braden will. Yeah. But we will chat with both of them on uh, what is a busy time in the National Hockey League, Gary, because... Now that the the holiday break and the Winter Classic is behind us, that means that we are just about at the halfway point. Vegas will play its 41st game against the Colorado Avalanche on Wednesday. That'll be game 41 for Colorado as well. And Colorado really quietly uh, authoring a pretty nice season. They have 53 points and a 683 points percentage, 663 points percentage. Had to put my glasses on for a sec. So they, they've been going quite well. They've had some weird, like, you know, Vegas beat them 7 yeah. nothing. Florida beat them 8-4 the other night. Got on them real early, too. They yeah. changed goalies. Yeah. If, if Colorado came back, and then yeah. uh, then Florida uh, jumped on them again. So it, kind of a weird season there. All of a sudden, the Winnipeg Jets are the hottest team in hockey. Yeah. Uh, they gave up. The, the, the Jets gave up four, I think, to Vegas way back on November 2nd. Uh, Vegas went into Winnipeg and won that game. They haven't given up three goals or more since. And uh, they, all, their goal differential now is plus 38, one of the best in the league. Vancouver is still crazy at plus 47. But the Jets have done, uh, uh, they've done a real nice job. Connor Hellebuck and uh, Lauren Brassois have been tremendous in net for them. Uh, Kyle Connor's been injured, so uh, uh, the Jets are a very interesting team and, and one to watch. They are number one in the NHL. They yeah. are two points better than the New York Rangers. Mm-hmm. Vegas had held number one, at least a tie for number one, for much of the season. Yeah. And now that because of the, the recent struggles, and now three wins in their last ten games, but coming off the victory the other day, against the New York Islanders to kind of stop the bleeding. But there has now been, since Vegas fell out of that number one spot, a bunch of teams have jumped up into it. Vancouver, the Rangers, the Bruins, obviously the Canucks had been right there. 
But the Winnipeg Jets, I'm not sure that that was one of the teams I thought would be there even just a couple of weeks ago, but that is that is the nature of the schedule. Yeah, and, they're they're 8-0-2 eight, eight, oh, in their last 10 and have won six in a row. Yeah. Uh, and Florida, 8-2-0 in oh, their last 10, have won seven in a row. And, uh, you know, meanwhile, Vegas, they have won one in a row. And uh, But as you mentioned, just three of their of their last 10 and and no overtime shootout points for Vegas in that stretch either it's been all regulation three regulation losses and uh and sorry three regulation wins and seven losses so uh that's that's kind of really you know they've only picked up six out of a possible 20 points over that stretch but they were a lot better they've they've had it's weird they've had two good games uh, uh, in their last four, I guess you know they were really good against LA, not great against Seattle, not great against Florida, and then really good against the Islanders the other night. So, uh, yeah, I I like the word uneven, and uh, Bruce Cassidy uh, likes to use the word imperfect. Uh, the The thing about th- there are two; those are two different categories because imperfect Bruce means imperfect within a game and being comfortable. Being imperfect and and finding a way to still win, which they did a lot of last year, uneven is you know good one night and not good the next night, and that uh, that that ends up in 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 losses. And it's not just one area, you know. Some nights it's just giving up too many goals. Sometimes it's special teams. Night to night, it it's not always the same thing. Which you know, it's not to say that that is the way you'd prefer it. It's harder to address mm-hmm. when you've got a number of things going wrong, but maybe it's a, a, a broader symptom of this is a very good team. They're in a lull that just is hitting all areas at the same time, which leads you to believe that when things rebound, and maybe they have started to rebound, that it would bring everything along with it. But that might be the optimistic take. Yeah, you know, there's reason for optimism. This team won the Stanley Cup last year, and... Jack Eichel had a, you know, he's, I think I said this to you on the radio, or maybe I said it to Darren on TV. He's really thoughtful. He, he, he your interview with him during the intermission the other night, the first intermission, was excellent. And you know, he doesn't, he, he listens to the question and he gives you, thinks about his answer. And it's not canned. He said to me the other night, he goes, listen, it's hard to say this because you don't know if you're going to come out of it. But losing, going into a stretch like this is actually a positive for a team if you come out of it because, you know, you figure out what you need to do to get out of it, and then you're, you, you, the coach can put it on video and put it on the board all he wants. It's, uh, you know, the players have to learn the lessons themselves and they have to be ingrained so that they're, you know, if we do this, we lose. If we do this, we win. And, you know, the Boston Bruins never learned to lose last year until it was too late, until they were on the yeah. sidelines, right? You yeah. know, you'd rather have this now than have it in April. And uh, <laughs> I said this the other day. I said, save your freakouts for April because yeah. Yeah. Uh, now you got to get there. That's the other thing. And it's I always go back to Daryl Sutter, the year the Kings won their first cup they finished eighth in the regular season and they were they were the last entry in the western conference and they went on and won and i remember talking to him at the draft and he looked at me and 
Daryl's not much of a joker, <laughs> not much for, uh, for for kidding. Just and, a little dry. And he just said, he goes, it's harder to make the playoffs than it is to win the Stanley Cup. And when you think about it, right, it is one is it, it requires surviving an 82-game grind, gauntlet, whatever you want to call it. The other is you got to get 16 wins in uh, in a in a two-month period, and Ken Holland the Hall of Fame general manager. He always says, if it, if you if you get your team to the to the final four, you've done your job as a manager because after that, you can't control who's healthy and whose goalie is going or who's or who's Jonathan Marshall so jumps off the page and everything he shoots goes in the net. It's just uh, uh, the the building of the team, the hiring of the coach, the 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 culture, all of that stuff. If you get to the final four, all of the all of those things build to that. After that, it's uh, it's a bit of a crapshoot. There is some undulating in the standings for the Golden Knights, and part of it we have to mention the number of players who have been unavailable. The guy who won the Stanley Cup in goal, Aiden Hill, has yeah. not been available for about six weeks. He has practiced with the team of late today, and the team is just wrapping up practice as we speak. Aiden was one of two goalies, Logan being the other. Yeah. Yuri Patera has been the backup for Logan Thompson for recent games. Bruce Cassidy said next week, meaning now this week, that Aiden Hill is going to be ready to go. So uh, Bruce is going to speak to the media here in a little bit. We'll let you know what he says. But it's possible that Aiden Hill will at least back up for the game against the Avalanche. We'll see exactly what the plan is. But it is back-to-back Wednesday in Denver and then back home against the Boston Bruins. Tonight, Boston and Colorado play each other. So that'll be fun to yeah. watch. Two very good teams, and the Knights will then play both of them coming up. So Hill on the precipice of returning, but Gary with other injuries. We talk about who's in and who's unavailable, but you get a couple of guys making their Knights debut in Lucas Cormier in his NHL debut, and then Toby Bjornfoot acquired from the Kings off of waivers. He makes his Golden Knights debut, and what do you know? The team wins. 5-2 to two against the New York Islanders with only a few of its regular defensemen available in Alex Petrangelo, Alec Martinez, and Nicholas Haig. Uh, the other guys are not uh, the, the regulars, so to speak. Yeah, and I thought both of them were. Uh, Cormier, you know, his game jumped off the page a and little. Excuse me, I forgot McNabb. I don't want to leave out McNabb because he's going to be our guest. That's yeah, why that I was, was holding off on him. Hopefully he's not, he's not listening. <laughs> no, no, he should Dan be here any minute. Dan snubbed me. I think I'll snub Dan and Gary. I won't show up. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Cormier's game jumped off the page a little more, and uh, uh, you know uh, the assist on the Eichel power play goal, great. All the all the things he did in his own zone to break the puck out and and get Vegas on their way offensively. That was uh, they, you, know, you, you don't replace Shea Theodore, and this is the first. You know, I, I think that Korzak did a pretty nice job of moving the puck up out of his own zone, so did Ben Hutton. But when those guys go down, like Braden Pahal is an NHL defenseman, but with the mix that Vegas has, a different kind of guy. He, he fits if McNabb or Martinez gets gets injured, uh, not Theodore. Right. Skill sets, you know, lefty-righty, there's a, yeah, a, a number yeah, of variables. Yeah, yeah. Now, Bjornfoot stepped in for, uh, for Zach Whitecloud, and Toby was... Full, full marks, you know, a more subtle, more quiet game, but 
you know, they won the game and they and they defended very well. They they you know they didn't give up very much. So he was a piece of that. the The ice time was you know way better in terms of uh, you know Petrangelo had played twenty seven minutes I think against Florida and he was uh, was he under twenty I think he was just under twenty in that game. Yeah, the the, uh, the previous game against Florida was twenty six. 28. Yeah. So 26 yeah, and a half yeah. minutes. And you're right. It was it was way lower. 19 ish, I believe. And the special teams numbers often make those numbers go up because he's on the kill and on the power play. Yeah. But this game against the Islanders, there were so few power plays. Plus, Lucas Cormier yeah. was in that spot on the power play as the quote unquote quarterback. Big difference. So, you know what I mean? Like when this team is able, and that's another thing that Jack talked about was in the past when we've had injuries, we have let the people that have come into the lineup do their job. He's the core group that we have is trying to do too much right now. And, you know, we need to, we need a little bit, a little bit more of less is less is more. And, that I, I think they got that, and the ice time is the best example of that. Cormier was right up near their leaders in ice time. Yeah, so I'll give you the numbers, yeah. Gary, since we're talking about McNabb led everybody twenty two oh two. Yeah, Cormier was next at nineteen forty six, and remember, those two were partners, McNabb yeah. and Cormier. Yeah. After that, it's Hagen Martinez. Haig and Martinez were just above nineteen, and then Petrangelo was next again, just barely above nineteen. Yeah. So it's not too often that Alex Petrangelo is going to be number five. On the night's time but, on ice, but you also see in that relatively evenly distribution, uh, yeah. distributed. Yeah, you know, I, I can remember when the Golden Knights went to the Stanley Cup in year one. The ice time, you know, Cody Eakin was often uh, forward number seven, and the difference between F one and F seven was always like under two minutes. Yeah. The difference in ice time which showed you they were playing all three lines. And then the fourth line, uh, Gerard Glant referred to them as the so-called fourth line. Mm-hmm. They they played a lot as well and were very effective. And then the defense, uh, all six averaged. The top six all averaged over 18 minutes a night that year. So it just showed you they used everybody. And the, the, we saw a lot of that from Bruce last year. And, you know, Colasar and Carrier, uh, went out of their way to say, you know, well, every coach tells you he's going to use the fourth line. Most don't. Bruce said he was going to use us, and he did. And I don't think Bruce gave him as much ice as maybe uh, Gerard gave his fourth line, but Bruce gave them better ice. They played in different situations and, you know, started periods, started games. So, uh, yeah, lots of good stuff. Uh, lots, lots of good comparables with the two teams that have been to the final, one came up empty and one won a cup. One of the phrases that we heard through last postseason and heard again coming into this year, and I think it was John Stevens who, at least to my ears, I heard first from, everyone feels important. Yeah. That no matter what your role is, no matter what your minutes are, that there's the, the entire group has that bind that everyone feels important. And you know, that's not necessarily the case on every team in the National Hockey League. Sometimes you do look at your numbers, your minutes, the opportunities, the offensive zone starts, etc. But with this team, everyone feels important. That has been part of it, and therefore it's human nature. You understand when you hear Jack Eichel say that everybody's 
trying to do a little too much, doing a little bit more, and, and that can, you know, end up shooting shooting you in the foot. But then the so-called fourth line, Gary, produces two goals against the Islanders. Nick Waugh scores yeah. two. Keegan Colas are involved in both, and Brett Howden assisting on one of them, too. And they weren't even the fourth line in that game, technically. No. Yeah. But uh, we'll still call them that because they had the, the identity, plus they scored. That'll help your race time. Yeah. <laughs> two for Nicholas Waugh. Colasar with two, and by the way, Jack Eichel with two, and he now leads the team in goals. You know, the the uh, NHL vid, Injury Viz, which it's a Twitter site, a website, they put out some injury numbers on Saturday morning, and, you know, Vegas is right near the top of the league in man games lost. I think going into, that, into Saturday night's game, it was 150 games, and they were fourth in that total. Uh, and Robin Leonard's numbers are in that total, but Daniil Miramanoff's are not. So yeah. it kind of balances off, right? Yeah. right? They sort of cancel each other out. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 then Vegas was number number one, two, or three in, uh, I think they were number three in the cap hit of the play, combined cap hit of the players that were not playing, number one in the average ice time of the players that were not playing and number one in, uh, you know, baseball better than me. I don't know what war means, but it's wins above replacement. Yeah. So, uh, they were not, they're number one in that. So what it means is that they had the, they have of all the play of all the teams that are missing players, Vegas is missing a lot of players and they're missing the best group of players. That's that, that's what that stat means to me. So, uh, you know, I, I retweeted some of this and, and pointed some of it out, and you know, one uh, wise gentleman said, "Is this going to be the narrative every time this team plays like garbage?" And it's not the narrative, because the narrative is that this organization has a ton of depth, and it has been able, uh, you know, except for the catastrophic situation two years ago where they just couldn't. You know, yeah, it was 500 man games. Yeah, they they, they, they they couldn't rise above that, and, and, and really playing should not have been playing. Yeah, and or, and really they should have yeah. risen above it. Like they, yeah. they they should have made the playoffs. They lost some games down the right. stretch. They were in that, first place the All Star break. That, yeah, that, went 500 the rest of the way. Yeah, that 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 then they lost some games down the stretch that they shouldn't have lost. That happens, uh, but there is depth here, and. It will rise to the occasion. It just it hasn't just yet. That's to me. That's the narrative is that yeah they're scuffling, but they're not going to scuffle for much longer. Yeah. Would you rather be the Edmonton Oilers who had the disastrous start to the season and then you know had to play catch up all year, or would you rather be the Golden Knights who started at eleven zero and one and right now are two points out of a division lead? Yeah, you'd rather be the Vegas of Golden course. Knights. You yeah. know what I mean? They're yeah. they're uh, they're a week away from being back and first in the West and. And a good week away from being back in first in the West and, and, you know, fencing with the Rangers and the Bruins for first overall in the league. Just so, uh, I have seen the team. To me, someone said to me, you know, what's your big takeaway from the first half of the season? And it was when the team has had to rise, has, has risen to the occasion. They've shown they can get to that level that they were at last year. Which is really high, and I, I don't know if I don't know if I've seen anyone match it just yet. Maybe the Jets, uh, maybe the Rangers, but the fact that they can get they can still sing those notes, they just got to get their voice uh, in shape to do it for 
a full four and a half, three and a half hour Springsteen concert. Yeah, it's right not now, a single. It's not an LP. Yeah. It's a full three hour concert. Yeah, and right now, you know, right now they've shown us they're able to uh, uh, to sing "Born to Run" in perfect pitch, but uh, we're, we're being t- I'm being told to shut up. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I will. That means Braden McNabb is on his way. Good we'll stuff. step aside. When we return, we will hear from Braden McNabb. First, we'll tell you that Hotel Californian is in Santa Barbara, California, and it is the crown jewel of the Foley Entertainment Group, located right by the ocean. Experience oceanside views in one of 121 luxury guest rooms and suites. Taste the region's finest wine at the Society State and Mason Tasting Room and treat yourself to an unparalleled massage at Majorel, all in the heart of the American Riviera. Designed for domestic and international guests alike, Hotel Californian is the perfect destination for any traveler seeking a one-of-a-kind luxury experience. Visit HotelCalifornian.com today to book your next stay. You are listening to Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to Nighttime at Noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Welcome back to Nighttime at Noon, 1223 Pacific Time on this Monday, January the 8th. It is 2024. The Foley Food and Wine Society was created to celebrate three of Bill and Carol Foley's greatest passions. World-class wine, exceptional cuisine, and magnificent travel destinations. Members of the society will have access to an entire portfolio of properties around the world and have the exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek experiences for the finer things in life. Join for free today by visiting FoleyFoodAndWineSociety.com. Back here in Studio 31, Dan Duva, Gary Lawless. We welcome to the show number three defenseman, Braden McNabb. Hi, Braden. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Terrific. Thanks for coming by. How was practice today? Yeah, it was good. Got, uh, it's always nice when you got a few days before your next one, work on some stuff and, uh, you know, get out there and, uh, you know, sometimes a good hard skate is good for you. Yeah, get the five-on-five drill out there. Was I had seen that one. Uh, what, what was that drill? Uh, yeah, that was more probably working on her forecheck, um, you know, just kind of getting her habits where they need to be and um, you know, it's good to have the practices like this to simulate that. Lucas Cormier, you broke him in the other night, his first game ever in uh, the National Hockey League. And in his post-game interview, you know, the first guy he mentioned was you. He said, uh, Naber made it easy for me. Those were using his words. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, his game. And uh, you know, I know you play with, you've played a lot of hockey with Shea. Uh, there are some similarities in their game. What did you think of, of Lucas's effort? Yeah, he played great. I think after the first, he he settled in really well. I was very impressed with, uh, you know, his poise with the puck. He made a lot of good plays. Um, Obviously, he's a high-level skill, you know. I didn't know his game great, but I knew he was a skilled guy who can skate pretty well and get himself out of, uh, you know, trouble with his feet and uh, break out passes as well. So, uh, for me, it was just just talking. It's as simple as that. And if you can talk and help out and, you know, go over plays on the bench or, See, see the game uh, in different ways, uh, you know, and just talk it out. And, you know, he, he played great, so it, it was great to see, and, uh, you know, we're going to need him going forward. We talked to you on the radio during the game against Florida, and, uh, you know, you, you sort of said, you know, we got to turn this around, and uh, you were unable to, and then you were able to, to play a lot better against the Islanders. What, what was the difference? Uh, you know, it's, 
it hasn't been a great month or whatever, um, whatever the numbers are. Um, but I think it's a little bit of desperation. Um, you know, it, it was, we all knew, you know, we had to bring our best for, for that game. Uh, it doesn't matter who's in the lineup. Uh, everyone's capable of doing that and just almost getting back to basics. Um, and we're seeing that practice is kind of going over the uh, funda- funda- foundation of our game and X's and O's. And, uh, when we, when we do that, you know, we're a pretty good team. So, um, it was a good game against the Islanders, but you know, we got a lot of ways to go and, um, you know, we got a tough challenge here with Colorado and Boston coming up. Bruce made an interesting point the other day that, you know, when you win, you really come together as a group and, uh, it, I know you guys loved each other already, but there's it's different, right? You, you, when you go through that and you come out the other side of it successful, is it harder to challenge one another a little bit after uh, you, you become that close? That you know when you, when things are because I know in the past if things are going rough, you guys would look at each other and say, "Hey, we gotta we gotta change this," and not point fingers, but challenge one another. Is it harder to do after you've won? Uh, yeah, I mean, like winning, winning solves everything, right? It, it makes the mood better and everything. Um, but you know, we, we want to hold each other accountable and, and we have, and, um, every team has gone through, uh, these spells, you know, you look at Edmonton, you know, they found their game, uh, Carolina at the start of the year, they, they struggled and they lost a few games in a row, uh, and they found their game. So, uh, we understand this is, we, we even went through it last year, um, at times, so we know, we understand it's part of it, but uh, it's nipping in the butt early uh, so you can get your your game on path. Hey, Gary said it earlier in our show, Braden, he'd rather do it now than, say, the first round of the playoffs like the Boston Bruins did last year. Yeah, exactly. It's a good point. Uh, a little adversity never never hurts anyone, and um, you want to get ahead of it. And, you know, I think, I think we have, and we've talked about it, and we've done what we've had to do, and now it's about continuing it, not, you know, win one, lose two kind of deal so you know we got a good challenge coming up and got to be ready who wore the elvis costume the best oh <laughs> uh, well, they're all pretty good they all look pretty similar <laughs> uh I, I don't know exactly marty i guess would, i'd probably have to say marty because he organized the whole thing he was very proud of it too yeah we, he sure was we chatted with him before the game and and he was proud that not only were they very good looking costumes at the material like they were legit these were not just halloween costumes they were legit outfits (laughs) yeah they were quality they were they really really were i i didn't really realize i didn't try mine on until game time so i was like whoa that's a lot of chess showing but that's all good (laughs) did you get to keep it or was it a rental no, we we all bought it. Yeah, oh, so great. Uh, yeah. I guess we could do it for Halloween each year now. Yeah, well, that's what Alex <laughs> said. You know, he doesn't know a situation in which he'll ever wear it again. But you know, he's got it in case he needs it. He got a backup at all times for Halloween. Yeah, <laughs> a little Friday night on the strip. Yeah. Why not go yeah, down? Sure. And maybe maybe earn a few bucks busking on Fremont. Yeah, there you go. You never know. <laughs> You know the the uh, the hockey aside. What was the experience like in Seattle for the outdoor event, the Winter Classic? Yeah, very cool. Uh, they did an awesome job. Um, you know, family skate was awesome. Having the family there, kind of experience what it's like on the road for us. Um, you know, it was cool. Um, you know, everything leading up to the game, they did an awesome job with the helicopters and the guys hanging on. It kind of gave me a little bit of anxiety seeing that. <laughs> but yeah, it, they did a great job. Uh, it's just uh, you know bummer we we didn't play very well and uh, but you know what it happens it's over and done with now and we can move on. Yeah. On Thursday, uh, barring any unforeseen circumstances, you'll play game seven hundred in the NHL and 
we talked a little bit about it before you went on air, and you're like, well, 500 was a pretty good number. 700 doesn't really mean a lot. And I, I have to argue with you. The way you play, 700 is a because some guys might get to 1,000 and not block. <laughs> How many shots has he blocked this year? All already over 100, right? Oh, yeah, it's about 200. Yeah, and hit people and uh, play the way you play. 700 is the the – the Braden McNabb way is, is a pretty big number. Yeah, I mean, been fortunate, um, you know, getting the chance to play, uh, especially here. You know, it's been great. And, uh, you know, for me, it's just trying to be consistent and do what I do. Uh, you know, just keep finding ways to stay in the league and do what I do well. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, looking at it that way, it, it's uh, it's been a great ride and just looking to keep it going. Rough math would have you... Uh, uh, needing about three more seasons after this year to get to 1,000 is that something you'd like to do? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool uh, achievement, I think. And you know, you know, there's you know a lot of guys who do it, but there's a lot more who don't. So, you know, it'd be great if I get there, and we'll see what happens. You got number seven who's getting close to a thousand, and you know, we bring these numbers up because hey, it's a nice round number and it's something to talk about, and. It's often downplayed because it's about the team. It's about winning the game and, and those sorts of things. But it's also fun to hear teammates, I'll call it chirping or ribbing guys, when they do come on a milestone. And, you know, the first year it was when you go up against your old team for the first time. It seems like that's an important dynamic in the room when, you know, hey, this guy's playing in his, you know, first game, 100, 700. And, you know, there, there's always a reason for you know, uh, it, it's nice to have a reason for that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure it is. It, you know, guys love seeing guys achieve stuff and accomplish goals and whatever it is, goals, games played, whatever it is. So it's uh, it's good for the room. And, you know, Petro, he's only a year older than me, and he's hitting a 1,000 here soon. So that's very impressive. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's proud of it. And, you know, we're proud of him for sure. We see these younger defensemen that have joined the Golden Knights, and it's fun to hear Lucas Corbier talk about Zach Whitecloud as a veteran because in our minds, you know, Zach just came up uh, just a couple of years ago. But if you were to talk to some of those truly younger guys, Cormier, for example, it's a second-year pro, how to get to 700 games or 1,000 games, what advice would you give a young defenseman? Um, yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, most defensemen come in as – a good junior player who you know are mostly offensive and points uh, i think it's just important to find who you are and who you're going to be as fast as you can as a player um and, you know obviously you're got to take care of your own end first no matter if you're a points guy or a power play guy um you got to be reliable in your own end so it's you know probably the main focus i would have to start your career is be really good in your offense or defensive zone and the offense will take care of itself. So that, that would probably be my biggest advice. We were, the team was away so much the last couple of months, and now uh, you're, you're the next couple of weeks you're only a, a, a away from Vegas for one night. How excited are you to be around your young family over that stretch? And there must have been some interesting changes come in after being on the road for eight or nine days and see – all kinds of changes in your child. Yeah, it really was. It was kind of crazy. It's at that age, eight months or seven months. It's uh, there's a lot of change in weekly, day to day kind of stuff. So it, that was. It's kind of, I guess, it sucks being on the road that long, but it's fun to come home and, and see all the changes. And 
uh, how he's growing up um, and just for this stretch of being home it, it's it's great to be great to be here help out when I can and uh, just be around him and my with the family the the whole time and hopefully take care of business on nice you like being a father yeah it's awesome it's it's the best uh, <laughs> it's it's definitely different, but it's uh, it's been everything I could imagine, and you know, it's just a joy going home and seeing him every day. You got a bunch of teammates who were dads recently too. You share wisdom. <laughs> yeah, it's we got a good group all around the same age. It's kind of nice, so you can talk about uh, stuff uh, revolving the revolving the baby, and uh, you know, every, usually everyone's kind of going through the same thing, so it's pretty funny that way. We'll wrap it up with this, and our guest is Braden McNabb. Braden, you've got. Boston coming up on Thursday. First, it's Colorado. Those two teams played together uh, tonight against each other. We'll watch that one. Uh, what do you, if you know, you watch that game, number one, do you? And number two, what do you think about this um, this matchup here, trying to build off of what you guys did against the Islanders the other night? Yeah, they're two great teams, obviously. Um, as far as watching it, I'm not sure. Maybe there's a college football game tonight, too, yeah. so we'll, we'll see. Maybe. <laughs> uh, but... But yeah, that's uh, Colorado always going into their building. It's always a tough challenge. Um, historically, we've been fairly good against Colorado, I think, and um, it's definitely with this time off, we got to use it wisely and make sure we're ready for uh, you know take care of business Colorado A and then uh, get rest as much as we can and uh, take on Boston. Do you think that the game against the Islanders can be a springboard to, to do it again? Play well against the Kings, but then it didn't go well against the Crack in the next one. Do you think that that Islanders game can bleed into the next one. Yeah, I think so. I think another kind of learning experience from playing well against the Kings and laying an egg for the next couple games. So that's something we want to nip in the bud is, you know, kind of build a little streak here and, you know, win one, lose one kind of deal. So uh, it's an important game for us and we're rested and uh, we'll be ready to go. That's coming up on Wednesday, 7 o'clock Pacific time in Denver. Our guest has been Braden McNabb. Braden, thanks very much for coming by. We appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right, Braden McNabb is with us. We will step aside. We've got lots more coming up. You are listening and watching Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Live from City National Arena, this is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Welcome back. It's nighttime at noon here on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 1239 Pacific Time on this 8th of January, 2024. Good times deserve great food. Stop by your nearest McKenzie River Pizza, Grill, and Pub to grab a bite and cheer on the Golden Knights during their next game. Overlooking both rinks here at City National Arena, the restaurant offers the best seats at City NA and over in Summerlin at America First Center in Henderson. Visit today or order online at McKenzieRiverPizza.com. They're open daily from 11 to 9. All right. Nighttime at noon continues, and we have another guest on the broadcast, Gary. We welcome from Sportsnet 32 Thoughts Hockey Night in Canada. He is Elliot Friedman. Elliot, Dan Duva, Gary Lawless here. How are you? Good, guys. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. I feel like we just got to talk to one another a couple days ago, and then I remember we did. That's right. My condolences that you have to talk to me twice in a week. <laughs> well, it's worse than that. We, we listen to your fine podcast, and for we say this all the time here, Elliot, for the, uh, the NHL fan who might be a little bit newer to the game, we present the Vegas story here to our listeners. But if you want a, a scope of the entire NHL, I can't think of a finer podcast, Gary Lawless, than 
32 Thoughts with, with Jeff Merrick and, and Elliot Friedman as Gary rolls his eyes. Merrick's, Merrick's, pre- <laughs> Merrick's pretty good. Yeah. Well, you know, I know Gary doesn't agree because I get his text messages, Dan, and which uh-huh. is like basically like, how stupid is your opinion on this? How stupid is your opinion on that? So he comes by this honestly, I have to say. You've been real busy uh, chasing this uh, William Nylander story, and uh, it's been announced today eight times nine point five or times eleven point five would have been nine point five if they had assigned him last summer, which is I want what I want to ask you about ninety two million dollars, uh, a little bit over thirteen percent of their uh, uh, percentage of their of their total cap. Uh, what do you think of the signing? Well, first of all, Gary, I will respectfully disagree. I don't think they could have got him done last summer for nine point five. What could I, they have I just got him done think for? It was happening. Um, uh, from what everything I've figured out here and, and worked on, um, I, I think the Leafs really. If, the, if nine point five was an option last summer, they would have done it. I, right. I have no doubt that that is true. But one of the things that's happened here, and Matthews didn't sign until August, but. I think everybody knew that Matthews was going to get a big number, and he deserves it. And I just think some of the other players felt that if if some other players weren't going to take discounts, they weren't either. So I don't think getting Nylander done at 9.5 was ever an option. Um, so that was one thing. And the other thing is, and I a few people, as this got close, opened up to me a bit more. Louis Gross, who's the agent here, represents Nylander. His history is he gives you a number and he barely moves. And Michael Nylander, who's William's dad, who had a long NHL career, I think he feels that his son is worth a certain something. And I really do believe if the Maple Leafs wanted to sign the guy, it was always going to be in this area. That they put a flag in the ground and maybe they moved a little bit, but I don't think they moved a lot. And what Nylander had to do was hold up his end of the bargain and come up with a big start to the year which he sure did. He's on pace for the most points, goals, assists, and ice time of his career. So I don't think they ever had a chance to sign him for nine and a half. I think if they really thought they did, they would have done it. And, uh, you know, they look, he's a hell of a player. Um, they decided at the end of the day they wanted to keep him. And now we'll see how they go about building the roster around him. I You know, I think the other thing, too, Gary, is I do think they took a long look at the defense market in the league, and I just don't think there was a lot available to them in terms of difference-making defensemen that they could have brought in instead. And so, I mean, I think they're going to pursue some guys like Chris Tanev if he hits the market, but, like, a big stud D, like, that's why you guys moved heaven and earth to get Petrangelo. Because those guys don't become available, and he was an enormous difference maker for your team. And I think if the Maple Leafs felt there was a guy like that they could have gotten, they might have gone about this differently. Just a, a couple of things, like just on, touching on the Petrangelo thing. You know, a lot of people that really don't know what they're talking about criticized Kelly McCrimmon after that signing because. There was, yeah, there was some cap crunch that had to be, you know, he did it in the, in, in, on the the edge of, or in the middle of a pandemic, which, you know, held the cap at a certain level. It didn't go up. So there was, there was a cap crunch as a result of that. But I used to yeah. always ask the question, and no disrespect to Nate Schmidt, but what would you rather have, Nate Schmidt or Alex Petrangelo? And, and the answer is Alex Petrangelo. 
So, mm-hmm. and they won a Stanley Cup, and I'll say it point blank: they don't win the Stanley Cup if they don't have Alex Petrangelo. He's a huge piece of yep. of of the team, the organization, and all of that. I had this thought this morning: okay. the Toronto Maple Leafs are no better today mm-hmm. than they were yesterday, mm-hmm. but they're come come next season, they're a whole bunch. They have a whole bunch less cap flexibility. And that, to me, is a question that Brad Living had to ask at some point in time. Do, mm-hmm. I, do I want to keep Willie? Because you're right, he's a really good player. Mm-hmm. And, and, and not get any better as, as a team. Or do I want to let him go and see what I can do, what else I can do with that money? And mm-hmm. it, it's like the, it, it, it's kind of the, uh, the question that a general manager like the the most impo- they're the most important decisions that they have to make. Where do I go from here? And mm-hmm. like, are the Leafs a Stanley Cup contender? Absolutely. They, they, mm-hmm. They're they're one of the ten best teams in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they one of the, the top four teams in the NHL? I, I wouldn't say that. And mm-hmm. I, th- this does limit their ability to change course. A couple of things I would say. Number one, like they're playing really well right now, but I have seen this movie before. That's the one thing I'll say. I've seen them have great regular seasons and not be able to finish the job in the playoffs. So I, I recognize that. And they're playing really well right now with a roster that's got some real holes in it. But again, the proof is in the pudding. I actually think that the, they, they have a crunch next year, Gary, but as long as the cap keeps going up, I think they're going to be okay in the future. Next year is the year they have to figure this out because they're going to have Tavares in his last year. Like That's one of the big questions here. What is Tavares' future? He's still a productive player, but after next year, he's not going to be making $11 million again. So what is his – Like I think he wants to finish his career in Toronto, but they have to work out a deal. What is that number? And then there's Marner. His contract is up after next season, and his previous contract negotiations have not been easy. So, look, like the calendar dictated that they had to deal with Nylander first. They made the decision. And, you know, Gary, I think they did ask themselves that question. I think there was a time in the summer when Nylander was available for a defenseman, a good one. And it just wasn't, it just didn't happen for them. And one of the reasons was the teams that could trade for Nylander, they didn't know if they could sign them. So I think they have looked at all this. And like I said, I do think they're going to try to build their defense out. Um, but it's not going to be for a nine or $10 million defenseman. I don't even know if that guy is out there right now. So they're going to have to do all those things you mentioned. Next year is the big cap crunch year. But especially depending on what happens with Tavares and Marner, um, Tavares' contract should go down. We'll see what happens with Marner. But I think if they can get through next year, they might sort this all out. But, again, negotiations here tend to be really hard. <laughs> really hard. Are they going to go all in at the deadline? Like, because if next year is going to be a rough year, like and, mm-hmm. and they're gonna, it's gonna be difficult for them to like not rough on the ice. They're gonna be still be mm-hmm. good, but they're not gonna be able to add. Do, do they go? Do they spend assets in uh, at the trade deadline this year? 
I honestly, that's a great question because I think at times they wondered if this was the year to do it. Like yeah. if you look at them, Gary, they have a first round pick this year, but they don't have a second, I think for three years. And they have two really good young prospects who just played for team Canada, but they don't want to trade them. Uh, Fraser Mitten and Easton Cowan. As a matter of fact, they, they don't have a lot to deal and especially for a rental. So I think if they uh, if they do something big at the deadline where they have to give up either a first-rounder or one of their good young prospects, it's going to be for somebody who, who's got term. Hmm. Who they have, or either, either they have term or they're convinced that they can sign him. Like one of the guys I've wondered about is Tana from Calgary because I think they feel that they can sign him. So unless it's something like that, I, I don't expect them to give up uh, their best young players or, or picks. Elliot Friedman is our guest. Elliot, we've got less than two minutes here. You were in Seattle to watch the Winter Classic. You also got to speak with a few members of the Golden Knights organization. What do you see in the Golden Knights, and what did you hear in some of those conversations that sticks with you? Well, what I'm seeing right now is I understand you guys have a great pick of me up, so I want to say I really appreciate that. Um, the... Uh, <laughs> Because the, the, I, I I love that picture. Uh, I love the love the picture of me in my uh, in my uh, in my uh, turtleneck. Very sure. Very sure. <laughs> but you know what? I I think Dan. I don't worry about your team. I think Kelly McCrimmon is paid to worry about. Your you team. just worry about Edmonton and Toronto. That's right. No, there's a different reason. I don't. <laughs> Kelly McCrimmon is paid to worry about your team, and Bruce Cassidy is paid to worry about your team. That's their jobs. But I just think you guys, you got a lot of pros there. They know how to win. They know what it's going to take. I know the past couple of weeks have been a little bit rocky at times. You know, the, like honestly, the Winter Classic, I don't can't remember too many games I've seen the Golden Knights have a game like that where they look that bad. But I don't worry about you guys. I think that you'll when it really matters, you guys are going to be a tough out, and you're as good as anybody in this league. And I'm never going to complain about going to Vegas in June. So I, I'm good with that. Well, that's perfect. Well, we like seeing you in June, too, Elliot. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I buy that, but I'll, I'll, I'll pretend it's true. <laughs> well, Elliot, thanks very much uh, for, for stopping by and spending a few minutes with us. And, of course, 32 Thoughts, the podcast with Jeff Merrick. See him on Hockey Night in Canada, of course, and on Sportsnet. Elliot, thanks very much for joining us. We'll, we'll catch up again soon. All right, guys, have yourselves a great day. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot, Elliot. You're great as always. And if you missed those conversations that they had on the 32, podca- uh, 32 Thoughts podcast, they talked with Kelly McCrimmon, Bruce Cassidy, and Jack Eichel right before the Winter Classic. Really interesting, in-depth conversations with those guys. And with that, Gary, we are just about out of time. Good show, Danny. It was fun. The Golden Knights will take on Colorado Avalanche day after tomorrow in Denver. That is a 7 o'clock start Pacific time. 7 o'clock Pacific time. It'll be nationally broadcast, so Dave and Shane and company will have the evening off. On the radio, Darren Elliott will join me in Denver for the play-by-play. Pre-game show with Ryan Wallace starting at 6. And, of course, don't forget the BGK Insider Show here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. That airs with Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace from 4 to 6 weekdays. Big thanks to everybody behind the scenes. Next time we will speak to you is Wednesday in Denver. Next time at home for the night is Thursday. Boston Bruins coming to town. Back to back to the Knights against two of the best of the NHL. And by the way, those two teams face off tonight. 
For Gary Lawless, Dan Dubas saying so long, and good day.